If you're looking for a show about everyday black dreamers and doers, you've come to the right place. Join me on a quest to find ordinary people doing extraordinary things, reinterpreting the rules of the game in order to achieve life on their own terms. I'm your host, Moses Tillman Young, and welcome to the Black Gold Podcast. In this episode, I have the privilege of interviewing Diamond Spikes. She is a renowned branding and design expert who resides in the vibrant city of Atlanta, Georgia. In our conversation, Diamond and I discuss how empathetic design plays a pivotal role in developing strong, unique brand identities that truly resonate with audiences. Next, we explore the innovative and somewhat untapped potential of AI in the branding world and discuss how it can be leveraged for empathetic design. And lastly, we delve into the essential strategies for constructing a brand that can withstand the test of time, providing invaluable insights that you won't want to miss. So get ready, tuck in, and listen to this new episode of the Black Hole Podcast. Today with me on the Black Gold Podcast, I have Diamond Spikes, and she has a wealth of knowledge and experience within branding and design, which has led her to achieve Best of 2022 Atlanta Award. She's also been featured in Black Enterprise along with her clients, who are featured in Vogue, Forbes, Good Morning America, and many other more media outlets. And so as a dynamic and engaging speaker, Diamond is also passionate about sharing her expertise with many, many people. And she's willing to share that expertise today, specifically on how we can use empathy in branding and design. So Diamond, thank you so much for coming on today to the podcast. Whenever I hear the word empathy and design, those two things don't necessarily, whenever you think of one, you don't really think about the other. So how would you explain to someone how you blend those two components together? Great question. So, hey everybody, but um, specifically when it comes to using empathy in branding, it boils down to really understanding who it is that your audience is, who it is that you're creating for, who it is that you are serving. And when you think about empathy, and we can like just bring it back to like basic human relationships, right? So when we're thinking about empathy, you're thinking about understanding, you're thinking about owning what somebody's going through, being able to empathize with what their experiences are, being able to put yourself in their shoes, right? So Empathy works the same way, no matter the context. And so in the context of branding, it's literally the same thing. There's obviously a strategy process that goes into branding before you get to the design portion. And within that, you're doing research, you're doing competitive research, you're looking up the market to make sure that your brand has a specific position that's different than everybody else's so that there's a difference between your brand and others. And you're also looking at the target market. You're looking at like, 
your target persona, who that person is, what they go through on a day-to-day basis, what they like to purchase, what are their fears, what are their dreams, what are their goals, what do they wear, like getting very, very intimate and knowing and understanding who that specific type of person is so that you can intimately know how to serve them, right? And that's how you're able to come up with everything else, the the messaging, the tone of voice, the personality of the brand, and all that good stuff. And that informs the design. That informs your logo development, your logo suite development. That informs the colors that you use, as well as other things. Like if there's like a cultural aspect to the brand or a certain type of history aspect to the brand, all of those things um, are part of the research that go into the designer portion. And those are the ways specifically that you use empathy in order to create design that resonates with people. Because it, it, it can't resonate with people unless you are using empathy. Yeah, so it's the idea then that you want to, as you said, incorporate that that personal aspect to, to your brand, to your product or to your service in a way that people will be able to realize that it's something that connects with them specifically and they believe it to be tailor-made for them. Exactly. Okay. So would you say that that needs to be done in conjunction along with, with, with researchers? Is that something that you have to do You do that first and then you do your regular product research and surveys and whatnot. So I think, honestly, it it depends on where you are in the process. Because a lot of times people come in at very different points. But generally speaking, most people start with a product. So like they don't start with the research. They start like, oh, I have this product. And nine times out of 10, they start with themselves. They're like, okay, this is something that I created or that I invested in because it worked for me, or this is the impact it had on me. So I want to use it for other people. In a lot of cases, you can actually use yourself as kind of that avatar, but you still have to do research to fully understand the full scale of what that person looks like. You know, using yourself as a base, you can do that and continue to build on top of that and just make sure that it's accurate. Because obviously there are always outliers and you want to make sure that you're not an outlier. <laughs> but yeah, definitely just making sure that you wherever you are in the process, whether you are starting with a product, which again, most people do start with a product first, that you do go back and make sure that you get that research done. Because I have found that a lot of brands, especially like Black-owned brands, the ones that grow and do a lot of their, well, the bulk of their growth from social media, they're very heavy on the products in their community, but may not necessarily have those other proponents of building the brand from a strategic perspective in place first. So that's something I definitely suggest to do as soon as possible in the process. Okay. So you want people to have what with their brand, make sure again that it's tailor-made to the person, but also you want them to incorporate it in such a way that it is it's almost kind of consistent and it's something that they, and if as a consumer, if I were to look at it, I can resonate with it immediately and be able to recognize, oh, like this reminds me of that. And since I like what I like this other thing, 
And this reminds me of that. I'm more inclined to to purchase this this product or or this service. Right. So even with what you're saying about like seeing something and it reminding you, like, oh, this reminds me of that. So there's that correlation there. Even within that, that's why it's important to understand what makes you different from the other companies. Cause there can be another product or another brand that has something very similar to what you have. But if you understand what makes you different and you're able to properly communicate that to your audience, then you're able to have those moments where people are like, they remind me of them, but I like them better because of this. Or you're able to forge deeper connections because you just know them better. Things like that. And that's how you're able to build brand equity. That's how you're able to take up market share. Like that's how you're able to do things like that. Obviously besides marketing. But getting into the mechanics of how you even get there is doing these things in the beginning and throughout the process. And one of the things that, speaking of of having like a brand recognition, one of the things that you've recently gotten gotten into and, and become a part of is partnering up with Amazon in terms of their new initiatives for for Black enterprises. Can you speak a little bit more about that? Sure. So last year sometime, I don't even remember, but I did end up partnering through my company with Amazon. It was it was twofold. So they have a program and I'm going to speak first to what you were mentioning, which is their Black Business Accelerator. So we weren't directly partnered with the Accelerator, but we were partnered with Buy With Prime. And what we were able to do with them is that we created, they contracted us to create workshops for their Black Business Accelerator participants. So they were the first people to come to the workshops about branding, marketing, email, all that stuff that we put together, learn, give feedback, and all that good jazz. And just recently, this last Women's History Month, which was in March, we did like the official and another official one during that month. And all the Amazon merchants were welcome then. So the first go around, we had only the, the my words are escaping me, but the Black businesses, <laughs> we had them first. And then the second go around, we had everybody, but they did, they did give it to the Black businesses first for them to be able to experience before everybody else. So first they obsessed, which I loved. And so in terms of starting out with that and and having that as a part of what you what you now do, whenever you first started out, did you ever believe that would be possible? Was that something you were aspiring to to be to aspiring to to have? Was that something that you ever thought about in terms of partnering with Amazon in this way or in any other way? So that's a good question, but I always, and this is just the way I'm set up. So no matter what industry I'm in, if I'm doing whatever I'm doing, I want to go to the top of my industry. So whatever that looks like, that's what I, that's what I want to go towards. So partnering with Amazon wasn't something that I thought was far-fetched. Like I knew like something like that could be within reach, whether it's Amazon or whatever other Fortune 500 or Fortune 100 company, but we, we were able to, to do that. And also to double back, cause I, I actually didn't even finish real quick, just piggybacking off of what I was saying earlier. The second part to the Amazon partnership 
is that we are a partner with them as an agency partner for their Buy With Prime program. And so Buy With Prime is this new thing that they have, which is super cool, where basically like if you go shop on your favorite clothing website, right, you can have a Prime experience directly through that direct-to-consumers website. So if it's baseballcaps.com, you can go to baseballcaps.com. You can search on there your favorite product. You can put it in a cart. And at checkout, you can use Prime to check out versus having to go to Amazon and actually go through the process there, which is a really big thing for merchants because one, all the data, Amazon owns all the data on that side. So when you're able to have the specific buy with Prime experience on your own website, you own that data. And obviously Amazon and Prime, they have their own brand equity and trust that's already built with so many people. So it, it already gives buyers and consumers a certain level of trust and comfortability with them being able to have that on their website. So that's something that we offer to our clients and that we can't offer as agency partners. And that's also what we do with them. Like we help install that service on merchants' websites. We help their merchants out with different things. Like let's just a a mutually beneficial relationship, ongoing mutually beneficial relationship. When did you get started in the, not just the design aspect, but just in entrepreneurship in, in general? Ooh, yeah. <laughs> so I actually, I got started really, really, really young. My first like real exposure to it was my dad. He worked a job and he also had a business. And when I was in sixth grade, my math teacher gave us this business project where we had to come up with products. We had to create a business plan and do all these things. And like throughout that entire process, I kind of fell in love with business like immediately. <laughs> and so like from that point forward, I was just like doing everything. I was braiding hair. I was selling cards that I drew up with one of my best friends. I was selling candy. Everybody sold candy, but I was selling candy. By the time I got into high school, I was still doing hair. But by this time, like I, I learned how to do sewing. So I was doing sewings. And then not too long after that, actually, I got introduced to this woman named Tayda Johnson. She's amazing. But she was the first time that I ever saw like a person selling products. And I became like her intern. So I would be at her house, like folding clothes, like just doing random stuff. But like, she was such a boss. Like she had products everywhere. She was selling all sorts of stuff. Purses, she was selling body care. She was the first person I ever saw selling lace wigs. This is back in like 2007. <laughs> like she was doing the thing. So seeing what she was doing and really seeing what was possible really opened my eyes, especially considering like I was a stylist myself at that point in time. And I'm like, wow, you know, I can do here and I can also sell it and I can also sell makeup. So I had, I had really got intrigued on being able to do those parts, not just like doing service based, but also like selling products. And so not too long after I graduated from high school, like probably Immediately after I graduated, I had like a little summer job at the CDC. And this is my first job because this entire time I'm like doing hair and stuff. So I didn't need one. But 
I had a summer job at the CDC. And while I was there, I was researching how to actually buy products. So I was figuring out how to sell hair and makeup because that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to sell hair and makeup. And so I figured out how to get it. And this was before PayPal and all that stuff. So when I found a supplier, I had to pay them via Western Union. And I went home and I told my parents and my dad was like, don't do that. You're not going to get your, <laughs> you're not going to get your product. And yeah. I was like, I was like, sir, it's only like a hundred or something dollars. Like if I don't get it, like it's okay. But I would rather like try it than not do it at all. So I did it and I marketed on Facebook for some time about it. I remember I got it in the mail and that day I sold out all of it. And that was pretty much the beginning of like me selling products. And I ended up, long story short, I ended up growing that company, the multi-six-figure company. And I did a lot, obviously, not a lot. I did all of the marketing, the branding, all of that stuff. And I'm leaving out a big chunk of it, but I was in school at Spelman for art. So I was doing that. <laughs> getting learning how to do things in photoshop and like being able to execute that on the other side with my brand even like growing with instagram instagram had just came out by the time i was like a sophomore so i had jumped on instagram started using it for business i pretty much doubled my business from using instagram while i was in school so yeah obviously by the time i graduated i didn't even i didn't need to go into workforce so i never did and so fast forward to now <laughs> Back in the end of 2019, I made a decision to go full-time as a creative entrepreneur because that's what's allowed me to be successful in my eyes with everything that I've been able to do is because I'm a creative. And I am kind of like equally left and right brain. So there's that too. But yeah, so 2019, I said, this is what I'm going to do. I created a strategy, executed it. By the end of 2020, another six-year business. So... <laughs> That's long story short. It's short as it's gonna be. <laughs> and so for for twenty twenty, how did you with with your business model that you had at, at the time, how were you able to to change up your process concerning the pandemic? That's a that's an interesting and good question, actually. But honestly, not much changed for me. I've always been a homebody. The pandemic happened. And it didn't feel like anything happened besides the fact that it felt like I was watching a movie. It felt like life was a movie that I was watching because like I didn't go outside anyway. So it was just kind of like me seeing people freak out about not being able to go outside. And it was like, dang, this is crazy. But it's like, I'm living in it too. But it didn't feel like I was living in it. And as far as business is concerned, like it, because I was in the early stages of developing this, it was all developing. So it was less of a like, how did it have me kind of change up things? It was more of a, this is how I developed over time. Like there did, they did, there did come a specific moment where I was like, well, what? This is where we are. And it was March. March was like, I think March was a specific time where everything in the U.S. shut down. And I was just kind of like, well, this is what's happening now. And you're either going to take advantage of this and put your head down or you're not. And obviously I did. <laughs> so I was, I really just focused. Like I 
made sure that I really executed on my plan. Like, really, that's really what it was. I stayed focused. I said, I'm going to do this specifically. And I did that and it worked in time. Whenever you, you made that plan to, to proceed with what you were developing before the pandemic first, first shutdowns happened, what were some of the, the, the tools and the resources that you, that you used in order to take your business on its first steps? That is such a great question because I feel like I didn't use anything. Like, like if I'm thinking about tools and resources, I had, I had a computer. Like I had my, my laptop at the time. My mom ended up buying me a 2017 Mac, iMac that I actually still have now. I ended up going in and changing some things myself with the memory and stuff. So it still functions beautifully now, but I had that. I had the basic things that I needed to be able to function on the internet and also create design work as a creative. So I had those things in place. I also had, I had a camera. Um, I created a space in my home so that I can create content for clients. Like I I had my space set up how I needed it so that I could work, but that's all. <laughs> everything else was pretty much just the internet. Like I was so basic about everything. I was archaic. Like, I mean, I was using Google Sheets, Google Forms. I think at that time I had just started using Calendly, but like I was super archaic with how I was doing stuff. But it worked up until the point at which I started getting more and more clients. I kept everything on Calendly at that point. Um, but the more clients I got, the more I started just like looking into a different systems to kind of help keep things together. Yeah. And it's very interesting how things at like at their bare bones, how, how it just works out. How like making like like your first couple sales, your first couple transactions using the basic equipment, it just it it just works for some reason. And there's this belief that a lot of people have that you need to have the 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 nice looking design, the nice yeah. like the logo just emblazoned on everything, so people will know like mm-hmm. oh, this is this is our thing over here. It's right over here. But for like for the most part, if you just like keep things really simple, at least in the beginning. Whenever yeah. you're starting out, just like start from nothing, just one brick at a time. Yeah, build focus, it up. honestly, focus on producing results. Exactly. Yeah. And it, if you can prove to others that you can do excellent work and you can do it consistently and you can be able to scale that, then that's all really that you, that you need, essentially. Yeah, as a, specifically as a service provider. Yes. Yeah. So do you deal mostly with any direct to consumer kind of, do you have any clients that are directly from your agency to their industry? So mostly all of our clients are actually DTC, DTC brands. So that's our focus. That's our niche. Right. We work specifically with direct to consumer brands that are in a very, very, very specific space. <laughs> They're like at the point that, so we call this space the mom and pop effect. The mom and pop effect is basically the space where DTC brands in the new age who are actually, I talked about it a little bit earlier, but DTC brands that are new age 
They are building really amazing communities online. And it's kind of helped them give a leg up, even though their brand is like not up to par. Like they have the product. The product basically performs on par with its promise. And they have a community that loves that, right? That's not enough to go to the next level. (laughs) But the people, of course, feel that they have, and they do have whatever level of success that they have, but they also know that there are things that they are missing, right? There are foundational things that are missing. There are people that they need in place in order to help them go to the next level, whether that looks like going to retail or whether that looks like just scaling up their operations and becoming a more stronger household name brand that really wants to actually like really disrupt the market. But that's another thing. You don't have to be a, a market disruptor to make a lot of money selling a product. And that's just the reality. But if you want to actually compete, like legitimately compete in the market, that's a, that's a, it's just a different game to play. It's the difference between being a local Chinese shop versus being a Panda Express. It's just a different game. And so we basically specifically work with those brands who are in that space, but they're ready to get out of it. Gotcha. So it's, as you said, like little mom and pop stores that you, or different areas in, in, in different industries that you try to you service and help them establish their, their, their branding and make sure that it's sympathetic and relates directly to the, to the customer that they, that they desire. Well, they nine times out of 10 already have the customer part down. We kind of help them double down on it and make sure that it's clear because a lot of times specific to those brands, the consumer relates to the owner, the consumer relates to the founder, and there's a very strong connect connection there. So the goal is to make sure that they relate to the brand, right? Because that's another issue that brands in the mom and pop effect go through is that like the the community is so connected to the founder or so connected to the owner that there comes constraint with growth. And so we want to make sure that the key things that are connected between the owner or the founder and the brand make that transition over to be a foundational part of the brand's mission, the mission values, beliefs, and things like that, so that the brand can exist without the owner and everything can continue to function as such in the brand of its own entity that still connects with the people that has that same, that gives that same feeling and that's that same personal touch that the owner had. And that, that's, that's an important part, part of the process in branding. You want to make sure that at every part of the customer experience, at every touch point, you want to make sure that there's a consistent experience like we were talking about earlier. And also that it's, it resonates with them. So that's really what it's about. There's that part of it. And also, again, just doubling back on really making sure that the brand actually has a position in the market and has a difference, something that makes them different from other brands. So, yeah. Okay. So you're taking it from at least like the mom and pop perspective, as you said. You're taking that that aspect of it and how it relates to the founder. It's more like it's a personal brand than a brand unto itself. And so what you do is you go in, you find out what is the thing about that 
about that, that person that the customer relates to, you find that thing and you put that element into the branding itself. So then the operation can run without the founder or that attractive character. Right. Right. Cause the, the brand has to be that like you, the brand has to be able to exist outside of the person who created it. And that's always the issue because sometimes and many times people, especially in that space, they don't even create the brand thinking that it, it'll even get that big to begin with. So they're always left with that, that piece once they get to an inevitable point where they have to make a decision. Like, what do I really want to do with this brand? It's growing. We have all these customers. We have a really strong community. But I know our branding is shitty. We don't really have the proper clarity that we need in order to take it to the next level. So they need that. And that's what we make sure that we provide for them. So in terms of the new, new renaissance, the new evolution of, of things, I don't know what to call it, AI, how can, like, how does AI, how can AI play in terms of creating an empathetic brand? Can AI be empathetic in terms of its branding? Absolutely. So you can say, going back to empathy, right? The way you use empathy is to help you connect with people, help you understand people and help you interact in a way that displays that you understand the person that you're interacting with. So what AI can do is exactly that. You can have chatbots, you can have different things that you can create, especially with chatbots, where it's using specific input and knowledge. Obviously, you can literally just create a chatbot that has a specific preset based on what you're able to give it as founder, marketer, whoever, based on the information that you already have through your empathic research to be able to set it up to where when people are interacting with it, it's giving exactly what it's supposed to. It's saying exactly what it needs to say. It's communicating in the ways that it's supposed to communicate. So, and you know, I say the same thing with data, like data is only as good as the person who's analyzing it and using it to create strategy. The same thing goes with AI and other forms of technology. People teach and educate AI. AI is not a thing in itself. We created AI. It's the same reason why over the years, you know, Google was under so much scrutiny for the images that would pop up when you type in black woman. Google images is a isn't it's an AI platform, not in the sense of how we use AI now, but it is an artificial intelligence that pulls up images that we see based on input. So now it's different. They've been able to educate it differently, feed it new data and train it so that when you type in black woman, you don't just see certain obscure images. You see a nice range of images that make sense for what the term black woman actually means to people who are searching for that term. And so on the overall scape of AI, when you're looking to be empathic with how you're interacting with your customers, 
it is something that you can use. And again, especially with chatbots. Yeah, because it's, it's, I've been going down the, that rabbit hole in terms of understanding what does what, what kind of, what AI tools can you use for this, use for that. And it's just has been really fascinating and really interesting to see just how much it can be used as a tool instead of it being something that we should fear. Ready to tap into a wealth of knowledge and ignite your potential? Discover the Black Gold Podcast, stories of black dreamers and doers on Spotify. Engage with industry-leading minds as they share their insights on all things about business, creativity, and living life to the fullest. And we have a special offer just for you. After diving into an episode on Spotify, shoot us an email at blackgoldpod at gmail.com and we'll gift you our exclusive podcast guide that walks you through how you can go from zero to your first episode on a low budget. Black Gold Podcast on Spotify. Inspiring lives, one episode at a time. So with AI, you said chatbots for sure. What about AI for for design? There's some tools out there like like Midjourney, Stable Diffusion, cool. Leonardo, all of those things making crazy yeah. looking images. How can we use that and the design aspect of our brand? So this is going to go back into what I was saying as data is only as good as the person who is analyzing it and using it to make strategy. Same thing goes for that. People are making things on Midjourney and all the rest of these platforms that create these beautiful outrageous images. <laughs> and it really, I think one of the things that AI teaches humans is how to be empathic because you have to know what it is that you're talking about. You have to intimately know how to, to de- how to describe what it is that you even want to be seen in order for it to populate. And I think that is a testament to specifically that. Like, I will say like me as a person, I was just born empathic. Like, that's just the thing. Like, my brother tells me this story about how when I was younger, like, I was a baby. and He was, like, going through some depression, and I just came up to him and put my head in his lap because I just knew he just needed that, right? It's just something that's just been a part of me ever since I was little. And I think something that comes with that is also being able to see things as they are, not what we want to see, but what it is, right? There's an underlying theme of truth when it comes to empathy and seeing things for what they are. And that's something that AI does. And connecting it, when I was connected to myself, I was saying that to say, one of the things that I was skilled slash talented to do was to do like hyper-realistic drawings. I'm able to look at things, see them as they are and translate it onto paper, 
right? And that's based on the data that I'm able to input in from my own mind and the way that my mind is receiving and translating the data, right? In any event, a person who is trying to use AI to create something, they're kind of being the liaison between their mind and what they want to see, but they have to be able to give it the right data, the accurate data, in order for it to come out the way they really want it to come out. And that's just, again, going to go back to intimately knowing what it is. You have to really, really know it. You have to be able to see it. And when you're seeing it, you have to be able to describe it down to all the smallest details so that when you give the software that information, it gives you exactly what it is that you're looking for. And the power in that is that you get to see that empathy like in front of you. And also that you need to create images and things that would take you days, weeks, or whatever of planning to put together and to shoot or to draw or whatever. And you can do it in minutes. If you really know what it is that you're trying to see, that you really want to create. So I think that if people just really take the time to sit down and truly be able to articulate what it is that they're, they want to create, then they can really use AI to create some masterful things, especially in terms of branding, because you have the brand itself on one side and then the visuals on the other side that communicate the brand. And so you take what you have and you feed it to the machine and the machine feeds you back something that is reflective, specifically reflective of what you have, then you got a win-win situation. Yeah, and you are completely right in terms of what you ask is what you receive in terms of if you ask a question to ChatGPT in this certain way, you will get this certain response. But if you ask it with this different twist to it, you'll you'll get that added twist back in the response. And so a couple of days ago for my for my final presentation in a class. We were instructed to use ChatGPT in order to to analyze analyze the film to point out some inaccuracies about something scientific within it. And one of the things I, I was in a group of people, and so we were sitting there, and we were we were figuring out like what should we ask this thing so we get the answer that we that we know we want we want to see. And so the thing that occurred to me in that moment was like, it's, it's all like we, yeah, it's, we believe that things are going to be much easier because we have these new tools. These things can just write things for us in the blink of an eye. You have an entire essay. And so we believe that it's the idea of like actually sitting down and typing all that out. That's really like hard. But the thing is, whenever we have that new level of ease, we've reached that next level of we can just type in a prompt and we get something from it. The thing is, the next harder level is it's like writer's block almost in that you believe you're a writer's block and so you can't write. But now it's you can just write two sentences and you can write pages. But it's like, what should I write in those two sentences? And so you're stuck on, <laughs> you're stuck on that. And you're so stuck it's... On prompting. Exactly. You don't know what to ask in order to get what you, whatever you wish to receive. And so it's, 
And I think that like the best way in terms of even figuring out how to use those tools and how to be able to receive what you ask is just practice with it and just play around with it and just see, okay, and like look up different people who are doing it in a way that you like. If you see an image, find out like what prompt did they use, what kind of color grading did they use, what kind of like camera lens that they use on that in order to make it look more realistic or in a certain sort of format. Just play around with it and you'll be able to get a gist of how it works and how you can blend and mix different things and mix it up in a way that can be unique for your own brand. Yep, 100%. So in terms of moving forward with your business, what are some of the things that you have on the on deck? So we've been working hard to develop strategic partnerships with other people and companies that can also help our clients. We're basically already pretty much the only option in our space. However, we want to fully be the only option. And so we're building strategic partners in other areas of business that our clients will need when they're trying to go to that next level, whether that's retail assistance, whether that's getting into an incubator or a, yeah, an incubator where they're able to get equity fee money and learn more about the operational side of of the business and the financial side and how to be set up in order to get more money, raise money and things like that, as well as things that can help them just increase their overall customer experience and things like that. We're heavily invested in helping them really go to the next level. Like, it's not just about like, oh, want to make sure you look the part. Like, we can't even make sure they look the part until we go through our our strategic branding process that includes research before we even get to the looking part. So it's really a, a comprehensive process that we take them through and we want to make sure that we're always offering a holistic, holistic value to them. And that's what these brands have to look forward to as far as what we're offering for them in the future and right now. <laughs> Speaking of like the the holistic sense of things, uh, in terms of you being being a, a business owner, entrepreneur, doing all the things that you currently do, you last year you got you got married and you're about to celebrate your wedding anniversary. Congratulations. On that, what do you do personally to make sure that you have the capacity to be able to take on new clients, new deals, go and do some some searching for for different grants for all these different things that you are currently engaged in? Like, what is your own personal routine that you have to keep yourself in check and make sure that you are not overexerting yourself? in the ways that you don't necessarily have to? That's a really good question. And it's, honestly, it goes back to empathy, which I love that it's just embedded in. But it's about knowing who you are as a person. Take some personality tests. Know your personality type. 
know the type of things that you will do and won't do because that will be helpful when you're trying to create a schedule when you're trying to shape your life and I tell people to plan out your personal life first and then fill in the blanks with business because one business is business you created it you run it it does not run you so you have to make sure that you have all your ducks in a row for your life at least plan the ducks to be in a row for your life and then fill in the blanks with business and that that just allows you to have less stress because you're not worried about like oh well if I go here with my family then I won't be able to do this here but the reality is you already had had it planned out so there's nothing to even worry about you have family time planned out you have income generating activity time planned out you have self-care day planned like you just have the elements of your life scheduled in a way that makes sense for you personally and also for your business but I always I like to plan out my life first and then add in the business things secondary it's extremely helpful obviously we're human so sometimes you're not going to follow it 100 there may be moments where there's something exciting happening so you end up working on it for like the whole day like that's the thing and it happens like we're human but for the most part making sure that you really just know how you are as a person your personality you use that knowledge of yourself to really develop a schedule that works for you and then add in the business stuff you'll be fine it's really just about knowing yourself and making sure that the things that you control revolve around you and not the other way or not any other way <laughs> so as you said making it where you put your business second to your life you i like that the idea of like planning out what you really desire your goals your personal dreams and then having the business fill in the gaps that, that's really that, that's really brilliant and even um, like it doesn't even have to be just your goals like literally like your everyday stuff because if you're like me if it's not on the calendar it ain't gonna happen so like literally self-care is not a goal like it's just something it's a maintenance thing it's something that you need in order to perform at your best so whatever that looks like for you make sure it's on the calendar make sure you have a reminder set all of that good stuff so that you you make sure you do it. Like there, there are things that we need that have nothing to do with business, but that are just personal to each of us as individuals that just help us, that fill us, you know, fill our personal cup so that we may run it over on business. <laughs> okay, yeah, nice, okay. And so in terms of you having DS Creative Design Studios, how are you turning your own brand into an empathetic brand that doesn't have to be reliant upon you? Because if it's reliant upon you, that requires that you right. keep your head in that space 24-7. What, what, what processes are you going through right now in order for you to make sure that you can step away if you wanted to or if you had to and you have faith that everything will go well and continue to go well? Well, for one, we do have, obviously, we have a brand in place. We have messaging in place. We have systems in place. I can go somewhere tomorrow for a week. Everything will be fine. Or um, not yet at the point where I can, like, completely step away because, like, obviously, I don't have another CEO. <laughs> but we have the things in place where 
I'm not necessary. Like I'm not necessary. <laughs> I'm here because it's mine, and I, you know, I use my voice to speak about it. And obviously, a lot of the brands philosophies and values are mine and so I can talk to talk about it but it's also the brand so the brand if there was a bigger team that did not include me they would be in alignment with the beliefs and values of the company and they would also be able to talk the talk and I think that's something that we didn't actually talk about but that's in a, a value add of making sure that you have a real brand because it attracts real people who are in alignment with that brand, who are in alignment with the beliefs and values. And that's not just customer facing, that is also employees as well. And making sure that you have people who believe in what the company is doing and also share the same beliefs resonate with the beliefs and values of the company so that they continue to act in and push those values throughout the decisions that are made for the company throughout the customer interactions throughout all touch points that it applies to everything so with making sure that you have your the proper branding things in place the proper strategies in place your foundational pieces in place that just allows your brand to function whether you are there or not I, and obviously systems as well but from a from a branding perspective though those pieces help out tremendously and SLPs, but yeah. <laughs> so from a branding perspective and also in terms of creating, creating a brand that you can step away from having your name within the business, do you think it would be harder or easier for you to be able to feel comfortable stepping away from it? Like you mean name as in like my name yeah your name or if someone has like their, their their last name for the business something like that do you think that they'd feel more inclined or less inclined to want to relax take a break step away so i think it again it depends but i feel on a, on a smaller scale that people will be more inclined to want to have their hands in a brand that their name is on but I also know that a brand that may be smaller, but the owner has a proper knowledge about branding, knows that even though their name is attached to it, if it's branded properly, people would know that it is not them. And obviously an owner or a CEO or whoever of a brand, they're, they're a responsible party irregardless. So there's always going to be that there but as long as they have the proper, again, the proper foundation and the proper knowledge to understand like, okay, just because it has my name obviously doesn't mean that I have to be involved or just because my name is attached to it doesn't mean that I have to be involved. We have Polo Ralph Lauren. We have a lot of brands that are named by people. And obviously a lot of these folks are dead too, <laughs> but yeah. not all of these brands have people who are directly the name after people but they're not directly participating in the day-to-day -day operations of the business and it's not it's not a it's not a necessity but I do think that generally speaking a lot of people just will feel more inclined to want to put their hands in it versus if it was like a ghost brand 
where they're like they know that people don't know that they're even attached to it at all so they can just kind of like go away somewhere and that, that that's just a natural human thing but honestly as long as people have the proper knowledge about branding and set their businesses up to where people they understand like this is a this is an entity that is separate from me it is a part of my name's sake but it is not me it is not my personal brand mm. they'll they will be fine yeah i I guess it's sort of similar to the way that the law firms operate in terms of how you have right. like a name. You know, exactly. <laughs> that's a, that's a part of consumer perception with brands, which is a part of the mom and pop effect as well. But <laughs> yeah. Well, Diamond, this has been an excellent conversation. Where can people go to learn more about what you're doing? and what you're going to be doing in the future. So for all you great people listening, you can actually, you can go on our website, dscreatedesignstudio.com. You can sign up on our email list. We'll be dropping gems on there. You can also follow me on Instagram at the Diamond Spikes. You can also follow our company Instagram. It's DS Creative Design Studio. And I am, I think, Diamond Sands on LinkedIn. Either Diamond Sands or Diamond Spikes. I'm not sure. One of the two on LinkedIn and also on Facebook. I am Diamond Sands. So that's all I have for you kind, wonderful people. (laughs) Uh, And I have one more question for you. And that is, if you had the ability to send a worldwide text, what would your message be? Ooh, I love that. <sighs> Honestly, <laughs> it might be a little too deep for people, but I would tell people that one day, Earth herself is going to die. So do what you want and be kind to others. Um, Don't take life too seriously. Earth herself is going to die. Yeah. Why Why would that be your text? It's, 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 it's a good text. It's one of the more interesting texts that we've had on the show, for sure. But why, why would that be... At least that that little twist on it about Earth being about Earth expiring. Why would that be a text? Because I think like even like obviously we get on podcasts, we can have conversations, and we can grow our following, and we can network and do all these amazing things because we're trying to. At the end of it, at the core of it all, we're trying to connect with people. That's what we're trying to do, and businesses are made by people and they're made to serve other people and i see how caught up all of us can get in the day-to-day bustle of trying to garner for attention and do this and do that and metrics and that i just want people to remain grounded in the fact that Though we live in this world and we live in a capitalist society where we have to pretty much do these things to maintain and also to make whatever impact you want to make, 
just remember that life is extremely temporary and that don't get wrapped up in this. Take it serious, but not too serious. Earth is going to die one day. We all going to die. We're going to go. If we haven't gone yet, everybody who there at that point in time is going to go with Earth. So at that point in time, none of it is going to even matter. So it's like I ain't gonna say take it with a grain of salt. Take it as serious as you need to to do what you need to be free. But we're not gonna be out here overly stressed out about this stuff. Mm -mm. Schedule your life and let your business fill in the crack. We're not doing it. Schedule your life and let your business fill in the gaps. Wonderful. Well, Diamond, thank you so much for this wonderful podcast. And I'm sure the listeners got a bunch out of this that they can utilize in their own personal endeavors. Thank you for listening to this episode of Black Gold Podcast, Stories of Black Dreamers and Doers. Please go ahead and subscribe and review the show on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you're listening to the podcast right now so that it can reach more people. If you want to get in touch with me personally, go ahead and send me an email at blackgoldpod at gmail.com. If you want to talk about the show or if you want to talk about how to create your own podcast, where you can find people and talk with them about the topic of your interest. If you want to go further into doing that, make sure to go to www.blackgoldpod.com and go ahead and scroll all the way down to the bottom and get yourself a copy of the Side Gig Podcast Guide. It's a guide that I put together for you to start a quality podcast on a low budget. So go ahead and do those things, and I'll catch you in the next episode. Thanks for listening.